0: a little bit of review before we get to chapter 5. So remember, Israel has gone into captivity for 70 years, and or Judah, I should say, has gone into captivity for 70 years, and then Cyrus commissions them to go back and rebuild the temple. Now, you got to remember, back in these days, they don't have, um, you know, what, what do you call it? The, uh, you know, they don't have the news media. They don't have CNN where these things are broadcast, where it's easy to fact check things but they did have records they would they would write out you know you could say like bills just like we still have the declaration of of independence they would keep records of things and they would save those things and it mattered because too the stuff that they did back then too these laws and things they passed the civilizations they built were meant to last hundreds of years we do not have that mentality today ever since dispensational one of the things i believe dispensationalism did to our culture Dispensationalism turned our mindset away from thinking hundreds of years in the future to just thinking, to just surviving as a generation. And it's changed everything in our culture. We don't build things to last anymore. Uh, We're not thinking about future generations. And think about it. You know what, you know what my, the previous generation has been saying about themselves for years? That they are the first generation to not leave things better for the next generation. And I personally think one of the biggest reasons for that is because of all the bad teaching that came out of the 70s on end times. They they started thinking, we're almost done. We're about to wrap things up. And they did not think about the future. But that's not the way our culture has ever been. But it is in America. And that's why I just don't know how our country is going to survive much longer. And so in Ezra chapter 5, we need to keep these things in mind. Because it's like, how did they forget about what Cyrus did? Again, it wasn't being broadcast on CNN. So, even though these laws were made, you know, it was made in these kingdoms, but then in other countries, it might take a while for word to spread. And then when the king dies, and you've got a new king that comes along, a lot can be forgotten over a period of years. And and many of these things happen to over a period of years. So, let's keep all these things in mind. So, in Ezra chapter 5, it says, Then the prophets, Haggai... The prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. And right here is where Haggai and Zechariah fit into the timeline of the Bible. Haggai and Zechariah they are a part of this story in Ezra, and it is it's very helpful for to help us understand what's going on in Ezra to even read the uh, Haggai and Zechariah. We're not going to read all that, but we are going to read some portions of it because it's important. It's through those guys where we can understand the mindset of the people here in the story because it's hard to know. It's just kind of... Ezra's kind of giving us the historical facts of what was going on where Ezra goes in a little deeper and we actually see the mindset that the people had. And basically... Uh, You know, they are, what these prophets did is they are telling them it's time to get back to work. Last week in chapter 4, they got opposition from the locals, the people that would become the Samaritans, and they told them, you aren't supposed to be doing this, and they went and tattled on them, and unfortunately the new king believed them, and they ordered Israel to stop doing the, or Judah to stop doing the work that they were doing. So they've been commanded by the king to cease working on the house of the Lord, but they had already been commanded by the previous king. And more importantly, they'd been commanded by God to get to work. And so the theme of these books of Haggai and Zechariah is basically for Judah to get back to work. And I want to go to Haggai because I want to show you the condition of the people during this time. And I preached on a lot of this stuff during COVID when the government said, we need to shut down our churches. But the problem was, God said we should have church. Second of all, not only did God say it, but actually our founding fathers said the same thing when they set up our government. They made it clear that the government was not supposed to be interfering with religion. And so this was a similar thing. I get it. We're a new generation, but it doesn't matter. We're still the same country. We're the same country supposedly under the same constitution and our government leaders were out of line in going against them. And that's what we're going to see that ends up happening here in this passage in, in chapter uh, in chapter five and mainly in chapter six. We're going to see that the government figured out, hey, we stepped out of bounds when we did this. We were not supposed to stop them from doing the work because the previous king had actually ordered them to get back to work. And so thankfully, they were very blessed that the government had in fact authorized them to do the work. But either way, it didn't matter. God authorized them to do the work. And we were very blessed in our country that, you know, our constitution backed up us having service in spite of what, you know, King Pritzker had to say. And so, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. And so why would Israel though stop the work? like they did you know were they trying to be good citizens and obey the king which is how a lot of people justified shutting their churches down you know were they just trying to survive so they could go soul another day i heard some people use that as an excuse for uh, why we should listen to government you know we don't want to find these things you know we need to you know survive we'll take the jab so we can go souling another day it's like you're not going to die if you don't <laughs> if you don't take the jab but people like to use soul to justify anything You know, was it because they were just scared? Were they scared of the government? Is that what was going on? Well, I personally think the real reason, and this is why a lot of people just blindly go along with the government these days, is they're just apathetic. And I think that was the case there. And if we go to Haggai chapter 1, remember, we are right in Ezra 5 when all this takes place. What we're reading in Haggai is is right here in Ezra chapter 5. And it, uh, and it says, "...then in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built." So there, it's like, hey, the people are saying, hey, it's not time. Okay. We're going to get it done, but it's not time. You know, we need to take a break. We need to take a Sabbath, basically, even though they had taken 70 years of a Sabbath. You know, let's take take a knee right now. That's what the people were saying. But it says, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house it is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from the dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought among the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon all the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon the uh, men, and upon cattle, and upon the labor of the hands." Basically, what God has just told him here is like, you know what, Judah, you've got your priorities wrong. I told you it is time to build the house of the Lord. And there you are. You're dwelling in your sealed houses. You've got your things taken care of. Your needs are being taken care of. But you know what? Have you noticed you've been working much, but you've been bringing in little, you know, all that work that you're doing, that all these things that you're trying to uh, these wages you're earning, you're putting it into a bag with holes. How many feel like they're putting all their wages into a bag with holes sometimes? okay. I'm pretty sure the government's poking the hole there. But you know, we better check and make sure it's not the Lord sometimes poking a hole there. And you know what their problem was? Their priorities were wrong. They're like, hey, we're back on our land. We're taken care of. We're fed. We have houses. We're safe. We're good. And But you know what? God said, no, you're not good because my house is lying waste. The reality was God is supposed to be first in all things. And God said, you know, because of this, I'm calling for a drought in the land. I'm calling for a famine because it's typically when things get tough, when people get hungry, that they actually start thinking about the Lord. And we've got our spiritual things are more important than, than physical things. Jesus was not teaching a new concept in Matthew 6:31 when he said, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things that the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Jesus is telling them focus on the kingdom of God first. God knows you need houses. God knows you need food. God knows you need clothing. You focus on what God wants from you and then let God take care of you. And God always did that for Israel. When Israel would put God first, God would just bless them so much when it came to the food and wealth and all these things, but Israel was always forgetting God. And so then God would take those things away. Here we are hundreds and hundreds of years later. I mean, I think we're like 900 years later from when they came out of Egypt and they're still doing this same nonsense. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Israel was supposed to be keeping God first and to let God worry about their physical well-being. There's a ton of scripture on that. Every single time they got away from their priorities, it was because they got their eyes off God. And it's hard to imagine after all God did for that nation that they would do that. But again, this was a regular thing with them. And we've got to be careful not to make the same mistake as New Testament Christians. Because it's very easy for us to get sidetracked by the things of the world and so focused on taking care of ourselves that we forget we always need God. And if we forget that we always need God, you know what? God will remind us that we always need him. So just stay focused on him. So chapter 2 of Haggai is basically God giving promises to them and you know if if they'll do this work and then promises of the Messiah that's going to come as well. And then if you turn over to Zechariah, Zechariah he chimes in, two months after Haggai chimes in, says in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Ido the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore, displeased with your fathers. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings, but they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servant the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. And by the way, so one of the things we see here too, so God's telling them all these things if Judah will turn to God, and then there's a lot of great promises in Zechariah, a lot of great promises in Zechariah, that God said he will do if they will turn to God. Okay? Now, unfortunately, many people read the book of Zechariah as if Judah turned to God. Did Judah turn to God? No. Okay. They, ha- they would have some temporary revivals, and they do here in Ezra. But go read the book of Malachi that's after Zechariah. Even chronologically, it's after Zechariah. It's after Ezra and Nehemiah. Israel did not turn to God. What happened when God fulfilled his promises that he made and Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi and the Messiah came? What did Israel do to the Messiah when he came fulfilling all these promises of God? They killed him. And understand, just because God always knew they would do that, understand that they were not commanded to kill the Messiah. They were commanded to accept Him. They were commanded to believe on Him. They were commanded to listen to His words and what He had to say. And they didn't do that. And people to this day are still reading Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. They're reading all the Old Testament as if Israel obeyed God. And they didn't. And they ignore all the prophecies about the terrible things that would come on them if they did not listen to God. And guess what? Everything God promised would come on them if they didn't listen, came on them. And yet people are still waiting for the good outcome. That's really weird. That's re- that's really weird, but yet that is uh, this is where people are messing up big time. Judah did not turn to the Lord. And so they have a temporary revival. What we're going to see here in the rest of... Ezra, it's another temporary revival. It's kind of like a camp meeting where everybody gets fired up and excited for the Lord because they had an emotional experience and they saw a couple things. But by next year, they need it again because they've all gotten right back to their old ways. They repented of all their sins last year, but they've repented of that repentance uh, in the last year, and they've got to do it all over they gotta do it all over again every year. And so verse two goes on to say, Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. So they still had not been given the green light by the new king, but it didn't matter. They went back to work anyway. Good for them. Good, Good for them. And now an interesting thing to keep in mind when you read the books of Haggai and Zechariah, It all looks like excitement and promises of good things. And sure enough, there were some of those things that happened, but it wasn't without some times of temptations, trial and testing. When you're reading Haggai and Zechariah, it's like, man, this is going to be good. This is all good. This is all exciting. This is all great promises of God. And let me tell you, everything that the prophet said in those books were right, but often... What we fail to do when we look at all these promises is we fail to understand that, you know, there there, there's going to come times of trial and testing and temptation and all those things. Now, I get it, we all know this story. But understand, these things that we're reading, they happen over a period of years. Okay? And we can read these we can read the book of Ezra in one sitting. And so in the book of Ezra, it starts out with excitement a good law has been passed it ends with them being successful god coming through for them them building the temple and all those things but understand those years in between it was grueling labor with opposition it was it was very difficult it was not an easy thing and we often fail to factor those things in whenever you know, people a lot of people love the idea of getting saved surrendering to God, doing a work, great work for the Lord, receiving rewards one day in heaven. Everybody loves the idea of that, but you know what everybody also forgets about? Is that there's opposition all along the way. There's trials, there's temptations, there's heartache. I mean, people. we've had people, they want to come to our church because you know they like what we stand for and they, you know they like, they like what we preach and they want to be a part of the battle until they find out battle gets hard sometimes. And then it's like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be hard. I didn't know I was going to have to face trial and temptation. I didn't know I was going to face difficulties. You know, And then even when churches like ours go through trials and temptations, I mean, people are like, man, I'm glad I wasn't there for that. It's like, well, hey, that, that's all part of fighting a battle. That's all part of getting a victory is fighting a battle. All part of winning a victory is enduring temptation. And un- unfortunately... We're always so focused on the end of the story, which is good, and which is what we should be thinking about. Those of us who are in the battle, but we forget that most of the story is the in-between where there's trial, temptation, there's work, there's heartache, and every bit of that happens here in the book of Ezra. And so it's important we keep all these things in mind. These were not easy times for them, but God always proves himself in the end. So Ezra 5.3... And it came to and at the same time to them uh came to them Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shethar Bozni, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Then said we unto them after this manner, What are the names of the men that make up this building? You know what they're doing? They're trying to intimidate them. Hey, we want to know the names of who's doing this. You know why? Because we're gonna go tattle on you guys. And uh, and understand anytime there's any kind of you know movement in government or whatever, you know, they need to punish someone. You know, and typically they want to get the guys on top. And that's one of the things cool too about well, that's neat about the story of how our country was started, all those guys who signed the Declaration of Independence. You know, these are men. These are leaders. These are men too that are behind this. Obviously, there were a lot. You know, the, you know, there was a lot of people represented, but these these guys that are kind of on top, signing their names to this. This, you know, they they got were kind of signing their own death warrant in a sense. And that's why John Hancock wrote his name real big. Like, let him see my name on here. Bring it. That's the attitude you ought to have. And but under, understand. We kind of have the same thing here. Hey, we want the names of the people promoting this stuff because they were going to go tattle on them to try to get them in trouble. But it says in verse 5, But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned and answered by a letter concerning this matter. And these people, these self-appointed policemen or whatever, they did not like being ignored. And so what do they do? We're we're getting word to Darius. Now, this would have been a process back then. you got to have somebody go all the way to Persia to tell them, but sure enough, they did it. I mean, boy, I love, I just love messing with people who just think they have more authority. We had some that blue hair from an apartment complex call us one time in Iowa that we've gone to a few times, and she uh, she called telling us we couldn't come back there anymore, and I said, you can't tell us that. We'll be back. And she got so mad. She got so mad. I just completely ignored her, disregarded her. I was like, I, I was like, I understand what you're saying, but you don't have the authority to tell us that. We'll be back. And so, you know what? She, you know what? A few hours later, I got a call from the cops. She went to tattle on me, and that cop didn't appreciate it at all when I said the same thing to him. Okay. Now we were already done there and weren't going. You know, I mean, we'll go. We'll probably go back someday, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, either either way, I wasn't going to let these people push me around. You know, they don't have the right and the authority to do that. But let me tell you, a lot of cops are like that too. You know, when you start talking law to them, I mean, their authority gets threatened and they just, they freak out. You know, and be careful. It's better to do it over a phone where they can't get angry and shoot you or you in their moment of rage. But, yeah, they don't, they don't appreciate it very much. But... I probably enjoy doing that kind of thing more than I should. And, uh, but, th- but anyway, um, so they were probably, all, and, and the thing is we were already done going to those apartments. So we weren't, we, we didn't need to go back. But at the same time I was hoping like, man, I hope some Jehovah's Witnesses go there in the next couple of weeks. And then they're going to think it's us. And cops are going to go out there and go, go all crazy on them. But anyway, so verse five says, but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease until the matter came to Darius and they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. So it says, The copy of the letter that Tatnai, governor, on this side of the river in Shethar-Bosnai, and his companion, the Afar-Sachites, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king. They sent a letter unto him, wherein was written thus, Unto Darius the king, all peace. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea, into the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones, and timber is laid in the walls. And this work goeth fast on, and prospereth in their hands. Then asked we those elders, and said unto them, Who commanded you to build this house, and to make up these walls? We asked their names also, to certify thee, that we might write the names of the men that were the chief of them. And thus they returned us the answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and build the house that was built these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven under wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. And I, and I love how they answered these people too. Because, yes, Solomon built that temple, but God destroyed it. God destroyed it through the armies of Babylon. That's exactly what we see in Daniel chapter 9. All that judgment that came on Israel was judgment from God. It was judgment from God. He brought it on him. He, he brought all those things. And so Daniel's 70th week, that was judgment from God on Jerusalem. Just like Daniel said. And it doesn't matter that it was by the hands of the Romans. Yes, it was by the hands of Romans, but ultimately God is who caused that to happen. And so they recognize that God did this. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon was not stronger than our God. I mean, for sure he was stronger than us, but they would have been fine had they just obeyed God, but they didn't. So God didn't protect them and God allowed their house to be destroyed. So, uh, in verse 13, they're still continuing to kind of... They're telling the king what is or Judah had said. It says, "...but in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. And the vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem, and brought them into the temple of Babylon, those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon... And they were delivered unto one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor, and said unto him, Take these vessels, go carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came Sheshbazar and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even until now, it hath been in building, and yet it is not finished. Now therefore, if it seem good to the king... Let there be search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so that a decree was made of Cyrus to the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. So notice kind of how they kept records back then in the king's treasure house in Babylon. So that was something they would you know do back then is they would have these writings, they would do these decrees and things, and again they don't have the internet back then. They don't have all these things that people can search and look up in these databases where it keeps track of all these things. But they did. These were, you know, in many ways very civilized societies that had uh strong legal systems. They had laws in place that that meant something, which is why they were able to rise to such power like they did. An anarchist society like we're kind of turning to a democracy of where it's just kind of mob rule and what the majority thinks. That's how we go with things. Those do not last. Those do not make it. They don't make it. It, And nations that are ruled and governed by laws, they are the ones that succeed. And so uh, there was a reason Babylon came to power. There was a reason Persia came. There's a reason Rome had the power that it did. I mean, people to this day are still fascinated and amazed at the Roman Empire and their legal system that they had back then that was very impressive. And part of that too, uh, you know, one of the reasons, this is just kind of a complete side note, if I may just chase a rabbit, but we've got this mentality that because of evolution and stuff, that as a people, we have always been moving forward and advancing. That is not true that absolutely is not true. Okay? So first off, we have no idea what it was probably like before the flood. All right? Chances are it was probably an impressive society in a lot of ways, but it got corrupted and it got earth got filled with violence, things fell apart. But even after that, we do we kind of see a reset, uh but then we go to the Tower of Babel. They get man gets kind of gets set backwards again when God confounds their language. And then they start moving forward again, and in many ways things start advancing. I think up until the Roman Empire, but then after that fell, okay, what did we end up going into in the world? What we call the Dark Ages. And mankind went backwards big time in a lot of ways. And then we kind of had a, you know, we made a comeback from that. There was a kind of a time of enlightenment and all that, uh, you know, after the Reformation and things. But then, you know, now what we're seeing, we think we're moving forward because of our technology. And and we are, we have advanced in many ways, but I don't know how people can't see. We are just degenerating as a society morally, which always causes these societies to collapse. I mean, the the morality of the Greeks and the Romans, they were, they were perverted people too, which is one of the main reasons they fell. And our society is without a doubt on its way to falling and failing big time as a result of all these things. And part of what's, they're doing in our country to speed up that process is we are. We are getting rid of laws. We're going to more of a democracy and we're just a mob rule mentality and it will end very bad in this country. It's going to end very bad and uh, our country did as good as it did for a reason for a long time. But it is. It's all falling apart. But even back then, they cared. They said, go look. So they basically this chapter ends telling them Go check the records and see if what they're saying is true. Right. Now, we'll have to leave you hanging a little bit, but I'll just go ahead and tell you. They're going to go search the records and they're going to find out. Yeah, Judah was telling the truth. They were commissioned to rebuild that house. But you've got to remember, some years have passed. We've got a new king in charge. You know This is far away, so you can kind of see why they would have forgotten and not realized that. But either way, I love how, and this is what I want you to get from this, when Judah is responding to the people accusing them, their first response was, we've been authorized by God, so you know what, y'all can go jump in a lake. But then secondly, they reminded them of the words of Cyrus, Okay, And and that was great to have that as a backup, and it benefited them greatly. And you know what? What I saw from churches who were doing the right thing during COVID, their first message was, hey, we've been authorized by God. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. That's what everybody said 1st It was like, oh, by the way, there's this other thing too called the Constitution. There's another thing called the Bill of Rights. You're not allowed to do this kind of thing. While the people who are typically wrong, you know what they were trying to do? They were actually trying to invoke God's, you know, the word of God as an excuse to get people to shut down. got to submit to the government, uh, not in areas where God never gave them authorization. Okay, and, and we've not been we've not been taught to submit to bullies who rise up declaring themselves as some kind of authority. Which I mean, who are these people that are telling Is, Judah they can't do this work? Who are these people? They're not the king. They're a bunch of tattletales, though. That went to the king, and thankfully they got put in their place. And that's what we had. We had little tattletales, we had little bullies, we had little dictator wannabes like Pritzker, who came along and it was like, You guys can't have service. I don't want you having I don't want you guys assembling. I don't want you guys meeting together. And you know what? Thankfully, the higher powers stepped in and told Pritzker he'd go jump on a lake. And now there's no lake anymore. I'm just kidding. But anyway, I, I, don't, I don't like Fritzker. I, 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 don't, I, don't like, I don't like Fritzker at all. But no matter what the current situation, current situation was, Judah had no reason to fear anything. And thankfully they didn't. God had spoken. His will was clear. And there was nothing left to do except get back to work and let God sort out the details. And that's exactly what God did. They just got, went back to work And they let God sort out the details. And you know what they didn't do either, too, as a people? You know, Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel, they're like, you know what? That's it. I'm running for Congress. i got to change things in D.C. or Persia or whatever. No, they just kept doing their work, and they let God sort out the details. And let me tell you something. We don't need preachers to, like, quit their jobs preaching to go join the political realm to fight things in dc you know what they need to do they need to just get to work where god called them to get to work and then let god sort out the details and and that's what happened here and so hopefully uh this was uh helped to give you a better understanding of ezra chapter five and so with that let's pray dear lord thank you so much for this chapter and the inspiration we can get from it i pray you help us always remember it in case our government ever tries to pull anything like they did a few years ago and i pray you help us to be faithful Lord, to just doing the work that you called us to do. I pray you'll help us to keep the spiritual things and uh, the things of you a priority in our life and that we'll uh, just trust you more and to sorting out the other details in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.